I delivered a dining table to someone this week, um, a little Tasmanian oak dining table. The, the client had really specific needs for this table. She needed it to be exact dimensions to fit into a, into a very small sort of kitchen meals area that she had. And she had really specific ideas about the angles of the legs and the way the whole thing should come together. And we really nailed it. We delivered it. It looked great. It was, it was just perfect size in the space. The legs were exactly what she wanted. It was all like it was tick, tick, tick. Everything was good. Except that when we were loading the table into my ute to take it and, and, and wrap the whole thing up, I noticed this, this tiny spot on the table somewhere. as a sort of a, a halfway between a, a, a little dent and a chip. It was just, it was tiny. You could, you could barely feel it. You had, you had to really feel hard for it. You could only see it if the light was, was in a certain way. But I knew it was there. And so a question for you, what do you think I was thinking when I drove away from the delivery? I was just thinking about the spot, you know? I was thinking, darn it, Matt, I, I should have seen that. I, I should have checked that more. I, I should have been more attentive maybe in the sanding process or something or other. You know, all these other things in the table were great and, and the clients were thrilled. But, but I couldn't get out of my mind that, that one tiny spot. On the table. Because our self-talk's powerful, isn't it? You know, and we can be sort of our own worst enemies. And, and you know, like she didn't notice it. She'll honestly, she will never notice. There's no way she'll ever find this spot. But I notice it. And so I've got all these, you know, Matt, you didn't do a good enough to she's absolutely thrilled with the table, but I've got all these other sort of ungracious words and, and judgmental, all this other stuff in my mind and I see lots of nods. You'll, you know how this goes, don't you? We all have those sort of moments whenever things work out in your... We all have those moments where the world around us is, is fine and happy and easy, but we've got thoughts in our minds about what we did wrong and how we messed up. We're in this uh, series on grace. Um, we're talking about this word grace that we sing about and we read it in, the Bibles, but in, in our Bibles. We're asking, what does grace really mean? And we've used this old definition, this old but simple definition for grace that says grace is the undeserved favour of God. God. Grace describes the fact that God loves us even though we don't deserve it. That Jesus lives and he dies and he is resurrected in order to take away our sin, to give us hope and freedom and eternal life. And he gives all of that to us as a gift. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to pass a test. You don't have to do good things. We said that's the definition of grace, the undeserved favour of God. And then last week, we talked about the idea of sharing that grace with others. And we said that God never intended his grace to us to stop with us. He always intended grace to be contagious. That as, that as people experience the grace of God, they would then share that grace of God with other people around them. But the problem for me, and maybe for many of us, is that the person sometimes that I most need to share grace with is me. 
Or to put it another way, the person that I am tempted sometimes to give the least grace to, the person that I'm tempted to be the most judgmental toward, the person that I sometimes think is most undeserving of the grace of God is me. And I bet some of you are exactly the same. And so I want to finish our grace series by talking about the reality that for many of us, when we think about sharing grace, high on the list somewhere is the need for us to share grace and to give grace to ourselves. Now, I want to be clear, when we talk about giving grace to ourselves, I'm not talking about some sort of self-motivation thing. This isn't, this isn't one of those talks where, you know, you end up having to stand in front of the mirror in the morning and say, you can do it, you can do it. It's not that kind of thing. <laughs> And it's not about telling yourself that you can be anything you want to be and that you're the best and that you're amazing and that you're beautiful. God's grace is the undeserved favour of God. It doesn't require us to be right. It doesn't require us to be good, but it also doesn't require us to be the best. It also doesn't require us to be beautiful. It doesn't require us to be amazing. It doesn't require us to have great friends and a good job. That's why we call it the undeserved favour of God. That's the whole point of grace is that we don't have to do anything. We don't have to be anything. We don't have to tick any boxes to experience the incredible love of God in our lives. That's the whole point of grace. Rather, giving grace to ourselves is simply about agreeing with what God says about you. Giving grace to yourself is about agreeing with what God says about you. See, when we say yes to the grace of God, when we, when we give our lives over to God, something happens inside us that the writers of the New Testament would describe as, as we become a new creation, we become a new person from the inside out. Paul explains it this way. He says, with regard to your former way of life, meaning the way you were before, before you experienced grace in your life, with regard to your former way of life, put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Be made new in the attitudes of your minds and put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. It's Ephesians 4, 22-24. In, in another letter that he wrote to another church, Paul would say uh, to the Colossians chapter 3, verse 9, you've taken off your old self with its practices, all the things that you used to do with that old you, you've taken off your old self with its practices and you've put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge, renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Paul's remembering the fact that we are created by God. We're created in the image of God. We learn that way back at the very first page of the Bible, Genesis 1.26. You're created in the image of God. But, but what he's saying is that, is that sin, that the mess of the world has corrupted that original image in you. It's sort of twisted it. It's messed it up. You're not quite the way that you were supposed to be. You're not working the way you were designed to be. And God's... God's grace and Jesus' death and resurrection allows us to be restored or to be renewed to the way we were originally designed to be. Does that make sense? The old, that old kind of messed up, twisted us is gone and is replaced by a new us. Paul explains it like this 
uh, to the Romans, Romans chapter 6, verse 4. We were therefore buried with him, talking about Jesus. We were buried with Jesus through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too, we too may live a new life. But the problem for lots of us is we're still stuck looking at the old us in the mirror. Some of us are still stuck thinking that we won't be good until we achieve this or that in our lives. We're still stuck looking, looking at us thinking that we're going to be no good until we look like this or that or until we can hang out with this person or that person or until we can achieve this relationship or until we can do this or be that. And quite simply, the message of grace to ourselves says some of us need to stop looking at the old us and instead we need to see the new creation that we are in God. Some of us need to stop listening about what we say about ourselves and we need to start listening to what God says about us. Because when God sees you, he says, I created you. I created you in my image and I know you. I know everything about you. I know the good things about you and I know all the other stuff about you. I know the things about you that no one else knows about you. Those things that are your little secret, I know all of those things and I love you. In spite of all those things, I love you. I love you more than you could possibly imagine. I will never stop loving you. No matter what you do or don't do or achieve or don't achieve, I will never stop loving you. You don't have to do anything, anything to earn my love. I have prepared eternity for you and I will give everything. I gave my own son that you and I would be restored in relationship now and for eternity. Some of us need to hear God speaking those words into our lives. Because the truth is, isn't it, that many of us are stuck living our lives to please other people. Our sense of worth comes from what other people think about us. If other people think that we're awesome, then we feel awesome about ourselves. If other people are negative about us or down on us, or even if we think other people are negative about us or down on us, how do we feel about ourselves? We feel negative and down on ourselves. And you don't need me to tell you, that's a horrible way to live, isn't it? And it's certainly not the way that God created us to live. Now, the world will tell us that the solution to that kind of thinking is self-esteem. Right? The, the solution to that kind of thing is self-esteem. Self-esteem tells you that the voice you should listen to about you is you. Self-esteem, Wikipedia says that self-esteem is confidence in one's own worth. Self-esteem says you don't listen to the opinions of other people. You listen to your own voice. You tell yourself that you're okay. You tell yourself that you matter, that you are valuable, that you have worth, that you are lovable. 
And I want to tell you this morning, self-esteem is okay. It's certainly better than listening to the voices of other people in and over your life. But I want to tell you that even better than self-esteem is divine esteem. Even more important than what you think of yourself is what God thinks of you. Like it's a bad idea to live for the approval of others. I think we can all agree on that. Being happy with who you are because of how you are in some people's, in, you know, in another person's eyes, that's a bad idea. A better idea is to focus on self-esteem. Being happy with who you are in your own eyes. But the best idea is to focus on divine esteem. Being happy with who you are in God's eyes. Giving grace to yourself is about listening to what God says about you. It's about listening to who God says you are. It's about recognising that the creator of the whole universe looks at you and loves you like crazy. It's understanding that God is on your side. Paul writes in Romans 8, If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those who God has chosen? It's God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that who was raised to life, is at the right hand of the Father and he is interceding for us. Paul's saying that God is cheering for you. And if God's cheering for you, he's saying, does it matter who's cheering against you? Like if God's in your corner, surely it doesn't matter who's in the other corner. And he paints this sort of visual picture. He says, it's like Jesus is in heaven sitting at God's right hand and Jesus is putting in a good word for you. He's saying, it's, it's, it's like as if God is looking down on you. It's Jesus that's sitting there saying, that one's great. I'll speak up for that one. That's what it means when he says he's interceding on our behalf. That Jesus, that the resurrected Jesus, this is a word image, this is not a sort of literal thing that's going on, but a word image, that it is as if Jesus is standing there in heaven saying, that one's good, I'll speak for that one, I'll vouch for that one. So what does all this look like practically? I want to give you three tips that you can practice to give grace to yourself. And I want to say right now, I'm speaking to myself as much as I'm speaking to anyone, right? Three things that you can do to give God's grace to yourself. The first is to know what God says about you. The second is to listen to what God says about you. And the third is to surround yourself with people who will remind you what God says about you. Because you need to know what God says about you. You need to know what God says about you. And importantly, you need to know what God doesn't say about you. And I know I say this all the time, but that's why we talk in this place so often about the value of a daily time with God and particularly about, about daily Bible reading. It's why we talk about the value of being here, being amongst a Christian community and, and kind of listening to teaching on a regular basis. 
because you're putting yourself in a place when you do those things, when you're in the Word daily, when you're, when you're you know, sort of sitting under teaching regularly, you're putting yourself in a place where you can hear the Word of God, when you can hear what God says about you spoken into your life regularly. Because giving grace to yourself isn't a once-off decision, isn't it? It's not something you do once and say, right, I've done that in my life. It's a daily thing, isn't it? It's why our purpose statement talks about following Jesus, living our lives, following Jesus' example and teaching wherever we are, no matter the cost. It's that sense of this ongoing daily practice of following Jesus because these things aren't one and done. These things are a part of who we are on a daily basis. Knowing Jesus and following him, hearing him speak, these aren't once-off decisions. These are daily decisions that we need to make again and again. And so filling your minds with knowing on a daily basis what God's saying about you is so valuable. First, we need to know what God says about us. Second, we need to listen to what God says about it. And this is the hard part for most of us, isn't it? You've got to listen harder to what God says about you than you do what other people say about you or even sometimes what you say about you. And this is hard because unless I'm on my own with this, the negative voices scream really loud in our heads sometimes, don't they? The world tells you you're not loved if you're not successful. You're not okay if you haven't done this and this and this. You know, that Australian dream where you get married and you have kids and you have a nice house and a nice car and a good job and you go on nice holidays. That kind of image is, is just so pervasive. It's just all over our community, isn't it? And if you don't tick one of those boxes, man, the voices in your head, you're not good enough. And then you've got the voices in your own head, not just the voice, the voice in your own head saying, well, you're not cool enough because you're not this. You don't hang out with the right people. If your friends really knew this about you, if they really knew what you thought about that, if they really knew what you'd achieved and not achieved, man, they'd run away from you like quick as anything, wouldn't they? You're not any good. And the challenge for most of us is to learn to listen to the voice of God and to listen to what God says about us more than we listen to those other words. More than we listen to what the world's saying about us and as hard as it is, even more than we listen to sometimes what the voices in our own head say about us. <clears throat> and I want to tell you, and this is I'm talking to me, you just got to do whatever it takes you know, post notes up around the place. Roz does this a lot, my wife. She sticks post notes all over the place around the house to remind herself what God says about, you know, you stick stuff in the car, you, you know, you change the lock screen on your phone, um, you put notes and, and things around the place. You, I don't know. You just got to do whatever it takes to get those words in front of your eyes and into your mind on a daily basis. And if that means walking around school just muttering to yourself, God loves me and God created me, then do that. If you need to get a tattoo, go and do that. Tell your parents that I told you it's okay to get a tattoo, all right? It's on video. It's going to be on YouTube forever. 
<laughs> no, sorry, not my own children. Other people's children can go and get tattoos. My point is, my point is this stuff's important, isn't it? This stuff's important and you owe it to yourself. You owe it to the creation that you are in God to do whatever it takes. To listen to what God says about you. To, what, to do whatever it takes to get rid of the voices of the world and your own voices and to replace it with the truth that God speaks about you. Stop listening to what others say about you. Stop listening even to what you say about you and start listening to what God says about you. You need to know what God says about you. You need to listen to what God says about you. And you need to surround yourself with people who will remind you what God says about you because you know as well as I do that as easy as it is to sit here in you know, a warm, friendly church environment and say, well, you listen to what God says about you. It's not that easy, is it? And no matter how many notes you put around the place, no matter how many tattoos you get, no matter how many reminders you put on your phone, you won't always get it right. I mean, I, know, I certainly don't. If you do, you can come and give me, the, you know, uh, give me the tip afterwards. And that's why it's so important to surround yourself with people, with godly people who can speak the truth of God into your own life. And I know, certainly my experience is, the number of times that things have gone wrong for me, that things have got on top of me, and I find myself kind of spiralling into, Matt, you're no good, you're never going to be any good, you know, God's going to give up on you, I know, I'd give up on you, you know, that sort of thinking. And it's taken a friend or sometimes someone in my family, uh, someone in, in a church community, to just step up into my life and to say, Matt, you need to hear what God says about you. We need to surround ourselves with people who know what God says about you and who have the permission and the courage to speak those words into your life. That's why we talk about church not as a place that you go but as a community or a family because the hope, the dream, the intention is that this place is a place where that will happen in part. Now, not the only part, you, you know, you, you need others in your life and it's, it's your responsibility. I'm not saying you just come here and, you know, people will do that for you. But, but that's the intention of it. It always has been the intention of a church community. For 2,000 years since, since Jesus sort of instituted this idea, it's always been about bearing one. We talked about it last week, bearing one another's burdens and being alongside to encourage and to strengthen and to, to build one another up. It's just so critical for us that we find, it might not happen easy, that we find and we give permission to people to speak <coughs> the truth about God into our lives. And sometimes I'll be hard, if you're anything like me, sometimes there'll be hard conversations, you know, and people go, Matt, stop that. You need to stop that thinking and you need to listen to what God says about you. I'm not talking about warm, fluffy. I'm not talking about the kinds of friends that just say, oh, you're fantastic, you're awesome. Right? They're lies. Right? I'm, I'm, well, they are for me. <coughs> no, seriously, I'm talking about people who can have what sometimes are hard conversations and honest conversations, not just sort of pat you on the back and say, you're brilliant, it'll be okay. They can have 
hard and courageous and godly conversations about what God says about you. The grace of God is a powerful thing. It might just be the most powerful thing in all of the world because it's a thing that can change a person's heart. It's a thing that can change a person's mind. It's a thing that can change a person's eternity. And so I guess there might be nothing as important in all the world as a person experiencing for themselves the power and the grace of God. And there might be nothing as important for the world as Christian people sharing that grace with the world around them. But there might be nothing as important for your heart as you sharing that grace of God with yourself. As you experiencing that grace of God for yourself, from yourself. Because it's hard to share something that you don't have. You know what I'm saying? It's hard to truly share the grace of God with the world if you're not sharing the grace of God with yourself. Thank you.